0: all right everybody welcome one and all to another week of ghost in the scene i'm your host geo I'm with my co-host, Rob. He is burning some Palo Santo. How are you, Rob?
1: We're getting into... I'm well, thank you, Gio. We're getting into some really serious matters today. And already, Gio and I have been experiencing some strange paranormal activity on our ends. And I just want to make sure we're starting today off cleansed and feeling prepared for some really serious serious energies right now
0: if you guys weren't aware last night we had a and this is political guys so sorry to have uh, burst your your pop culture bubble but here we go we had an election and what was at stake was more than just uh, some ballots some states some legislatures we're talking about humans versus magical creatures cryptozoology and we're talking about mythologies intertwining with our universe in ways that we don't understand the repercussions of yet but this happened under our noses and sad to say i think we let it happen so rob um what happened last night man
1: wow Uh, well i mean the american people spoke right um we all went to our tvs we all turned it on we all turned it on to ABC uh, that evening, and we all watched the crowning of our new president, Ariel, the Little Mermaid.
0: The princess of Atlantis, right, is now the president of the United States of America. A secret election. She is not Democrat. She is not republican she is atlantean and who knew third party could could win so so decisively and you know i didn't know i didn't know that atlantis was a swing state that's one thing that i was not aware of so i don't want to say you know congratulations to her because this is a an episode about um what could happen with a mythological creature as your president we already have somebody who is dealing with magics in the presidency, uh, as far as Haley Baldwin and, and the Baldwin clan, they all have some sort of psych, you know, psychic abilities. But now we're talking about, and Rob's had said this, we're talking about a siren. If you guys haven't seen the movie or watched the crowning last night, this was about a siren who loses her voice, falls in love with, you know, the real world, and then gains her voice back and becomes president of the United States. So that story is a classic American tale. And yet this is a mythological tale with a siren with her voice now back and able to sing and able to charm millions of people, billions if not. And she's now the president. And so this is a a cautionary tale. I don't want the world to be tricked by by her her beautiful voice. And I don't care how beautiful it is, this is uh, a warning sign. This is a, a siren call because what happens in her story is what's going to happen to us. We will crash and we will drown.
1: We're but just going to be d- bubbly foam at the end of the day.
0: And nobody likes when, when you're drinking a soda and all that bubbly foam tickles your nose. Nobody likes that. So... We're going we're gonna to get into it. So before we get into Ariel, we have to talk about everybody surrounding her. Because it takes a tribe, right? It takes an entire tribe of people to raise the next you know, heir to the presidency. So we have to talk about the sacrifices that people have made. And we're talking about Shaggy and Shaggy's sacrifice, which is going to be what this episode is titled. It's going to be titled Shaggy's Sacrifice, the rise of Ariel to the presidency. So this is something that we're going to report on that nobody else has talked about. And it's a ritual that is done that cannot be undone. It's like when you pour something down the drain, no matter how much sucking you do on that drain, you won't get it back. Right, it's poured down the drain. It's gone. All that, all that Coca-Cola Zero. You, as much as you suck on that drain, it is not coming back to your mouth. So this is a, an exact parallel to what Shaggy did. And let's get into it. Did Did you watch it? Did you watch Shaggy uh, perform his uh, his debut song?
1: Yeah, I I always watch the early results. It's always really exciting as soon as the polls close and you get to see the live shots of everyone's reactions and shaggy uh yeah he really pulled it off you know he was out there he's dancing it looked like it was a good time everyone was under the sea um things were better you know uh could have been wetter but um really fascinating the way that i think in terms more in terms of kind of our dimensional aspects of it the way that they transition seamlessly between our human world in this spiritual sort of animated appearing world. You know, we've spoken at length about how uh, animated films are actually just live action films that they draw over. So it was really fascinating to see they were showing that layering right now, right? Like that's actually how the original film was made. Um, wow. But now we're seeing the layers going in and out, you know, and,
0: and maybe that's just, you know, a budget problem. Maybe they're cheap or something. I'm not sure what that has, you know, um, the, it's a television film. They're not working with budgets like, you know, Titanic or Pearl Harbor. So it's different. And, and the, those are both water films. Um, and, and that's why I, I mentioned them. And also, you know, they're both kind of uh, similar in, in the sense where, you know, you have to find love. And, and it's also about war, the internal war of, of wanting to to go to the surface when you're trapped in a boat and that kind of stuff. So this was Shaggy's debut as Sebastian. And you said something. He refused to wear his claws. Everybody else, you know, you could see Ariel with her full suit. She looked like a pure mermaid.
1: She was in midair swimming through a studio as a fish person. So, yeah, the commitment. And singing at the same time. Wow.
0: And Shaggy doesn't wear his little gloves because he's. Uh, and this is what the world is going to say. And this is what I want to caution you guys about. They're going to say because he was too proud and he didn't want to look goofy and, you know, this and that. That's wrong. It's dead wrong. And I'll tell you why. Shaggy didn't wear them because he was not acting as Sebastian. He was acting as somebody else. Now, I know this is a podcast, and I know that people do not see with their ears. Uh, I've I've been made very clear about that. You can't see with your ears. But I want you to just imagine um, Shaggy. If you watched it, hopefully it's easier to imagine. But he wore a replica of the Thriller costume in Michael Jackson's Thriller video. So... He was dressing not as Sebastian. He was dressing as Michael Jackson. And we have him now talking about under the sea. And he's talking about how it's better under the sea where it's wetter. And I I want to make it very clear that this is a final period to the ritual that was burying or first i would say digging up the dead body of michael jackson and re-burying it at sea it's like when you pour that cork zero down the drain once you let go of michael jackson's corpse it floats to the bottom it is now a part of the ocean which is an entire ghost mass and that is what i say is shaggy's sacrifice he sacrificed his career he's a grave robber we just outed him that's the truth and he dumped the king of pop into the ocean and now we have kings in the ocean that it's you know the ocean is is a large place but it's small for kings kings have to rule you know the king of pop had above ground King Triton had below the water. Now we have kings intermingling, and that's why Rob had mentioned King Triton was not in the in, in the TV film
1: so, or on the so, live stage, right? Because he was there as an animated figure,
0: right? Because you said it best. You know, they say down when it's under under the sea and stuff, but it's not actually under the sea. You know, there's no they're not in a in a fish tank. It's all pretend. And so I don't think the King Triton would dismarch his own image to have dry hair. His hair is supposed to be flowy. It's supposed to be wet. You know, he has a, a beard that's supposed to look elegant and if it, it's dry and, you know, all that salt. He, he looks terrible.
1: I mean, but also, all I'm hearing is excuses because we did receive the presence of a great queen one of the greatest perhaps mm. grace the presence of the stage and deliver an amazing knockout of performance as queens do and if you actually look and you're saying this as well Gio, her hair is beautiful flowing and gorgeous flowing as perhaps a king's beard may have if he actually you know made that step over now why he didn't I'm not sure. I think there's more to this story that it's not being told. But what I know and what I see is that we have the presence of a queen. Finally, power in our reality.
0: Um, and, you know, I would ask the ghost of Michael Jackson for that, for that answer. And, and here's the problem, that the ghost of Michael Jackson is going to be hard to pin down in an ocean of souls. And we got to ask Shaggy what he knows because he's gonna say that it wasn't him. Wasn't me. He's gonna say that he didn't do anything. Wasn't me. He didn't do it. It wasn't him. I was just playing Sebastian. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not gonna fly with us because we know the truth. You know, now we have a uh, half-human, half-fish in involved in politics. So I don't know if we've had that before.
1: It could be, yeah, our first uh, paranormal hybrid. Um, president that we've ever had um, you know it depends we were going back maybe Buchanan was a werewolf um, he was not seen a lot during that night but it's hard to look at those records because they're from so long ago and the paper trails are pretty unreliable but you know this is the kind of research that we're doing and all more reasons to stay in tune and stay in the scene because I think it's just being having this awareness right is what yes. it comes down to and Even though you might not be running into you know aware president yourself personally anytime soon, I think it gives you some a good perspective and a good centering to know where to go in your life.
0: And we all didn't forget that FDR was in a a wheelchair and yet he walked, right? He had telekinesis.
1: First paranormal president, perhaps, yeah. FDR.
0: I, I mean think about it. He will with his he professor X'd himself into walking. He was able to lift his body with his mind and walk with, you know, and he couldn't use his feet. So that's all mind over matter, right? And when it came down to it, that's what beat the Nazis was he had telekinetic powers. People don't talk about uh, about that and about the true, you know, prowess of FDR in the telekinetic and psychic world. But you read a book, read a single book, and you'll see it's first paragraph First sentence FDR had telekinesis. you look in any World War II book
1: right. I mean, we also have Mary Todd Lincoln as one of the also one of the finest example of paranormal researchers also occupying the White House. Just put that in your search browser
0: mm-hmm. being you know ask Jeeves about that guys. ask him about that, and while you're at it, go ahead and look up when did the the Little mermaid even the story start? Yeah. I mean, there's no definitive answer to that. Maybe a grim fairy tale, but it was it was told like, you know, what do you call it, person to person as 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 a non-written story, a, a fairy tale before that. So, this is where I want to caution. This is the mythology aspect, right? Yes, we've had paranormal people and we've had telekinetic people and we've had werewolves. But we haven't had a princess that's a siren, you know, that is the heir to Atlantis because I don't remember him having any sons King Trion in, in, in the original story and in, even in the movies and Shaggy doesn't talk about the prince. It's all about the princess. So she is the sole heir. And yet here we have now she is the president conflicts of interest. I don't, I don't, I don't even want to get into that, but now, what, what are we to say when we're sending aid and, and all of this food and money to Atlantis, right? She's going to funnel, and she's going to convince us that this is all for the better, right? You know sh- she'll make some kind of excuse and sing to us, and I'm afraid for the future of America because we now have a mythological goddess with the backing of a queen, queen Latifa, the backing of John Stamos, Uncle Jesse. Guys, this is somebody beloved by all of Greece. He eats eight pounds of Greek yogurt a day. Eight pounds. That's for the Greek people. He doesn't do it for anybody else. He does it for for his pride, his cultural pride. He eats it for for them. He live streams it every day on his Instagram. You, You could watch. Pound for pound with John Stamos. That's what it's called. So, yes, she has a lot of, like I said, the tribe of people surrounding her. It, it is a, I would say, a nation of people that are willing to die for her, both underwater and even above water. Because they put the movie out in, in the public atmosphere in the 1980s. 1989 is when it first started. And you said something about how this kick-started this entire Disney uh franchise like basically they were they were dead in the water and then the little mermaid came out and they were alive in the water afterwards uh, um, explain that to me because I'm, I'm not really sure about this timeline here
1: sure joe so we all know disney goes all the way back to the 30s uh, coinciding with the rise of fascism um, and we get some characters like mickey mouse and goofy and oh turns out uh pluto um he, in his debut actually spoke and he said one line he said kiss my butt holy sh and then he never spoke ever again
0: kiss my so is he a millennial gen z
1: perhaps before his time obviously but silenced they, so, Mouse. Because think about it. All these animals speak. Why is Pluto the only one that does not speak? Why is Pluto the only planet that's no longer a planet? Why are they silencing Pluto,
0: Geo? Because they ad- he, Pluto has, is the only advocate for eating ass in, in the Disney universe. And they had to shut him down until – I mean, they haven't, they haven't talked about him yet, but maybe th- this will be time for his comeback. And he could say, you know, eat my butt one more time or kiss my butt, whatever he said.
1: I think, I mean, if that's what's in his heart, like they should just let him speak because honestly, it's, we haven't heard from him. And it's, uh, you know, it's only right to just have him hear, to hear his voice finally. And If he wants to say, eat my ass, then he should feel free to do so.
0: And they snubbed him. You know, there's a dog in The Little Mermaid. That's a shaggy dog they snubbed Pluto, you know, Pluto could have been that dog and he could have had his line. If Ursula is able to take away Ariel's voice and then put it in Mm. a conch shell, who's to say she didn't do the same thing to Pluto. Right. So Pluto absolutely is involved in the little mermaid mythology. He's there. He got his voice taken away by Ursula. He's one of those poor, unfortunate souls. And it was because he was willing to say what nobody wanted to say, but had in their hearts, they were just afraid to say it. He said, I eat ass and I'm proud. And I'm, I'm proud of him.
1: And it's time to finally um, let him speak. And I'm hoping that, you know, the good that can come out of the things that we're talking about are these things, things that are waking their consciousness to say, wait a minute, hold on. Like, let, Let the dog talk, all right? Yes. Uh, We're not saying, like, let the dog, you know, you have to do anything this dog's doing. Just hear him out. Yeah. You know, because everyone else has had a chance to speak this whole time. You've been running your mouth forever, all right? So let's hear what he has to say because we haven't heard from him
0: in a while. Right. He could have more opinions than analingus. He could have way more than just that to say that's just his opener and that's a that's a good opener
1: i mean yeah i i want to hear more from this dog
0: you got to hear and and they stifled him and you have ursula to blame you have ariel now president and so now we have to demand that she give the possession of his voice back to him i'm not sure if she has his conch shell and this is and this might be a little bit of libel but she has two shells on her breasts, and one of those could hold the voice of Pluto. And she keeps it over her heart because she knows that if she were to give up that conch shell, that it would expose the bare nature of humanity and of animal nature. I mean, dogs love butts. Let's, let's face it. They sniff them. What's, his, what, what's next? Licking is the right. next step.
1: What's the shame?
0: There shouldn't be any. And now we have, you know, a a mythological creature as our president. And we have to demand some transparency. And that means her taking off those shells. And that means that her giving Pluto his voice back. So John Stamos had a lot to do with all of this. I just wanted to get back to John real quick because yes, he eats yogurt, eight eight pounds a day, but also he reprised his role in this, in this feature film, this television film from a time when he did it in the Hollywood bowl. So he was a chef on a, on a boat. He had a ponytail. He was chopping up um, sea creatures left and right with no remorse. And and in, in the end, um, he gets angry and hurts himself and kind of throws a fit. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is so appealing about this role to John Stamos? Why would a man go from you know, being the coolest guy with the coolest hair, having every adult woman in the world want to sleep with him, or at least give him like a handy or some, t- touch his butt or something, to go to being a chef that gets his, his ass kicked by, by some crabs, you know, what, what is it about, about this role? And I think Rob, you said something about, it's the life at sea, you know, the escape from, you know, from the mainland that could be it.
1: I mean, he's, he's got to lay low, to be honest, you know, his wife, Aunt Becky is in jail right now. I'm sure that does not look good on any sort of report card, uh, with anyone. So, you know, who knows who, who might be looking into his affairs? You know, what has, what is, uh, you know, uncle Jesse been up to? Uh, so he's, you know, willingly putting himself out at sea for extended periods of time, uh, serving up Greek yogurt to, to a bunch of sailors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen this move a hundred times, you know, I've, I've done it myself. You know, sometimes you just got to go out, lay low out in the high seas for a little bit, you know, do some, do some crew and work and then you come back and then, you know, hopefully everything's blown over.
0: And now this is where we get modern because this is almost the exact plot of the lighthouse. And we have, you know, mythological mermaids and exile and isolation and john stamos is definitely in it as a fish you see you see him for for a brief couple of seconds when he's in the water you see john stamos and so you know no, yes he's he's escaping from from the role of uncle jesse because this is something that he has played for decades right and when you method act for that long it, it's no longer an act it, it becomes I would say a split personality scenario where part of him is always Uncle Jesse. And so part of him will always be married to this woman. And so they did, you know, finances together. They had accountants and accounts together, and she was funneling money to who knows where, to who knows what college, to Harvard, to Stanford, just giving them money, just, you know, just in case she has kids eventually. And he could have done the same thing. And so I'd say it's a good move. For him to be this is kind of the scientology route where if nobody thinks that you're you know legal enough to be on land you just go to sea it's international waters baby and you're you know as long as you're able to deal with the ghosts and the giant octopuses and you know the sirens and the, and the mermaids then i think you'll be fine you know and, and and i'm sure he has stockpiled greek yogurt at the hull of that of that ship and he's just ladling it for, for his whole crew. And he's putting stuff in it. He has beautiful taste. He has nothing but good taste. So the life of a, of a sailor for him, I understand. What I don't understand is why would he go in cahoots with fish people if in his story they ruin his life? And that's where I think this, the, the the scene, people in the scene – we need some reporting on John Stamos. There's, there's been a lot of stuff that he's been doing that's just been under the radar, and we need a full investigation into Stamos, into the, the full house, full haunted house, full of ghosts house. Hmm. I mean, the inception of his career could have been way more paranormal than we give it credit. And so we have to look into that. Fuller house, fuller of ghosts house. I don't. I don't know. Maybe, maybe one of you knows out there what what it is. But we're gonna find out, and we're gonna get to the bottom of this. And real quick, we have one last little bit. We wanted to talk about magic users, but like real magic users. That's what
1: they k, folks.
0: Yes, magic. And we wanted to talk about um, the new Watchmen series. This is uh, this is a clip that Rob found, and Rob, I want to I want to thank you for this clip. Um, it, it led us down a very interesting hole, and you know um, you don't you don't find you don't find interesting holes very often. So here's the clip of um, the new creator of the Watchmen a continuation is talking about how he feels Alan Moore has used some magic decay on him. So here's the clip.
2: Did you try to reach out to him? I'm not yes. Sure. And he was like two words, one of them starting with M, <laughs> or... um, I I don't talk about what the specific nature of our <laughs> communication was at, out of respect for him. Right. Um, other than to say I was able to communicate with him. He received my communication. He acknowledged <laughs> the receipt of my communication. And then he asked not to be involved or evoked in any way. I'm sure um, the language
1: and, is pungent.
2: Correct. And now I'm in defiance of that, too.
1: The thing is, <laughs> apparently, we just were mentioning your evacuation and the yes, fire. So correct. I mean, I don't know if he set California on fire to uh, get back at you, but you seem to sincerely believe that he has put a curse on you.
2: Um, this sounds ridiculous to look at you in the eye and say, and, <laughs> and say it, but... I, and here you're looking I, at me. I, I do. I definitely feel like he did. And there are a couple of reasons for that. The first is Alan Moore is really into magic, not in a pretend way, but in a very real way. Like a way. warlock way. Yeah. Um he believes in a snake god of sorts and my understanding is and although this is just purely anecdotal that he cursed anybody who was going to touch Watchmen and so it's got that that Brady Bunch Hawaiian tiki idol sort of energy around it. And so once I started working on the show, there was a period of incredible excitement, like sort of the first act of any Twilight Zone episode where the character gets exactly what they wish for right? before Burgess Meredith's glasses break. I was going to you know? say exactly that. <laughs> That's it, right? But then following that, I started to feel cursed. Not, again, in a, in a silly way where like weird accidents were happening around. I just felt emotionally cursed. So for the majority of the entire time that I was making this show, I was completely and utterly miserable.
0: Wow, so right there he says it, he felt he has been cursed.
2: And then Damon actually
1: reached out to me later, which was you know really thoughtful because we've been going back and forth about this, obviously. And um, you know, Gio and I are gonna be continuing our conversation because there's a lot more literacy that we could all use Speaking about ghosts because I I think in this interview it comes across as a little awkward, and because it is awkward to speak about these very personal experiences in front of people that you know will likely not believe you, even though they all work for an industry run by paranormal beings. But us in the scene will understand that complex. So you know, stay, stay tuned, stay in the scene. You know, maybe we'll get Damon to be able to speak about his. Experiences more fully here, but at the same time, if he feels the need to remain private because of the power of these spells that were cast, mm-hmm. we totally understand that as well. And always, one hundred percent, want to be practicing safely as well. You know, I I I was so spooked by Alan Moore's spirit that you know we began the show. I had to burn the Palo Santo because I know that this is not anything to be taken lightly.
0: And if you look at a picture of Alan Moore, he would be a great King Triton. He looks just like King Triton. And so there we have the bridge that we needed to connect The Little Mermaid to HBO's Watchmen. Okay? And in HBO's Watchmen, the new series, it does not have the, you know, um the the cosign of alan moore he is not into it he hates it he has cursed it and what i want to say is we should take him seriously and that to everybody watching the watchman series i would take precaution i would wear some kind of uh safety gear put some holy water in in, in a pair of um you know, goggles, you know, um, that you use to swim, some swimming goggles and fill them full of holy water, put them over your eyes so that you don't get the, you know, the ghost streaming all the way to your retinas. They have a little filter of of holy water first. These are, you know, simple things you could do for your safety because we have a real warlock, a true warlock. This is like, I'm not joking. I'm afraid of Alan Moore. I'm afraid of, of what he could do and he looks like King Triton, he could have the power of King Triton, right? This could, he he could have easily, you know, said, oh, I'll be King Triton. They could have given him his lines. He could, and and this is where I'm going to play a clip where he talks about words. And this is something that honestly, we've been saying for years, and it just feels good to be validated by another warlock. But also it kind of scares me to know that This knowledge has been used by other people not just us not just for good but for cursing an entire series so here is Alan Moore talking about the power of words as spells a grimoire for example the book of spells is simply a fancy way of saying grammar indeed to cast a spell is simply to spell to manipulate words
2: to change people's consciousness
0: So right there. Wow.
1: Obviously a very powerful warlock.
0: And this is something that he said to the public, guys. This is not something that one just passes off as, you know, common knowledge. And the reason why he said it so easily is because he probably has secrets so much heavier and darker and more powerful that he won't say On camera so he's only giving you a sample just like we are i mean rob and i have plenty of tricks up our sleeves that we wouldn't dare say because like we said there there's some things that are just too hot for your ears your ears would literally fall off like a vander holyfield people don't talk about the fact that his ear actually fell off it was not bitten off and it was the fact that he was using magic as a supplementary part of his exercise and he did it wrong and the price was his ear fell off and they blame mike tyson but i'm sorry mike he tried to to catch it with his mouth and put it back in place so i think we give him too much heat for that we should be uh you know kind of talking about how evander used the wrong magic on that and maybe he got the magic from alan moore
1: and, again, just to preach safety, too, because as this information is spreading, we don't know how it can be used, good or bad, and it doesn't matter. Your intention may be good, but things can go horribly wrong.
0: Absolutely. You know, just, Absolutely. again,
1: tying it back to Little Mermaid, because the, big, the headline story, you know, Ariel, at the beginning, she sings a beautiful, gorgeous song, but what she doesn't realize is that she's drawing this boat closer and closer to danger and rocks, mm-hmm. smashes apart. Uh, so it's a cautionary tale
0: and she then marries a prince she's a princess she marries a prince the dynasty continues and the the people you know i don't want to say we suffer for it but we are not involved in a part of their world right right and that's the scary part is that now we have this separation of the presidency being for the people and now it is for Atlantis or for, you know, who, who knows who.
1: The power is not right. It's like our government isn't for the run by people anymore. Just plain and simple, right? Mm -hmm. Government is now run by part people, part paranormal being. Now Mm -hmm. I'm not going to assign too much to that one way or another, but I think we should just need to let that sink in a little bit because that has some serious consequences.
0: And we're talking about this in a split dimension, right? We're talking about this post-Mandala. And we're talking about this with the idea that you might, in your dimension, not have Ariel as president, right? You might have... Donald Bush. Um, Donald Bush is, is your president right now. And that's great. And and we're happy for you. But we just want to say that, you know, what happens in our universe affects yours. This is the butterfly effect. and This is what's going to happen in two steps of the chessboard game, right? If if this is our reality, you are two seconds away from this happening to you. So we just have to be aware that a paranormal mythological being is now president. Shaggy, you know, ransacked the dead body of Michael Jackson and threw him in the ocean in order to help her win the presidency. So I'm not sure, you know, international waters and all of that, that's probably still legal. And as long as he's under the sea, we can't get him. We have Alan Moore cursing an entire television series. And so you have to watch out when you watch that. Watch yourself when you watch men. Or when you watch watch Watchmen. I'm sorry. And I think that's it. I think stay in the scene, guys. Keep your eyes
1: on the screen. I'm, I'm at a loss for words right now. That is just meditate on all this. Uh, center yourself. I know it sounds crazy, like everything's spiraling. But guess what? You're still here listening to us. So you, that means you're centered in something, right? You're believing in it. And right now we're collecting all the info. So thank you for being here, for being ears because on this information, because uh, that's going to be how we – become more powerful together, right? We are all on the scene. So we're here for you. You're here for us. Uh, So let's keep on going, everyone. I am not done. And I know you're not either.
0: Stay in the scene, guys, and take care. We love you.